there. Colossians chapter 2. Verse number. Let's read from verse 11. In him. You will also. Circumcised with. The circumcision made without hands. By putting off. The body of the sins. Of the. Flesh. Last week when I spoke to you about. Bloodlines. And how bloodlines speak over our destinies and our lives i mentioned that sin is something that operated within flesh within blood and the scripture substantiates it says by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of christ buried with him buried with him in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God. Yeah? Who raised him? From the dead. From the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Look at, look at the technology that God creates for you. He says, when he walked in raising Christ from the dead, he says, you, 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 being also dead in the trespasses of your sins, he made alive also. You understand? In other words, God didn't wait for you to come to Christ in order for him to raise you up. He says, while you were still in your trespasses, he made you alive. Do you understand? So coming into Christ is, is, is an awakening into a reality that God had already made available. Do, do you understand that? He did not make you alive when you said, yes, I accept what Jesus did. No. He made you alive while you were still dead in your trespasses. So there was a reality that God already enacted and already uh, actualized for you. And it was accounted or credited to you when you came into Christ. So that's why the Bible says, even you reckon yourself alive unto God. It is an awakening. So that you are in Christ does not implicate you to have come alive when you were in there. He says he made you alive when he made him alive. Because there was a together togetherness in the resurrection of Christ. So when he resurrected Christ, his power was walking by faith. In making you alive also. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Okay, no, I thought I don't think you do. Uh, God's raising Christ from the dead, alright, was an indicator that whoever would come into Christ would have been raised by him when he raised up Jesus. 
Do you understand that? So the making alive of a Christian is a past reality. Do you understand? That he only comes into when he has accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. A bit of light? So this presupposes us to learn how God thinks. All right? So Chris doesn't become alive when he accepts Christ. He awakes. He awakes into that reality that God had already fashioned in the resurrection of Christ. Are you following me? So whatever happens to you in your Christian experience, its reality had already been predetermined. Hallelujah. You follow? Okay. Having forgiven you all your trespasses. Yeah? He has made a life together with him. Now, listen to verse 14. Having going to wipe out, no. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Now, here's what you ask yourself. When did this happen? Because we had already established that from God's standpoint, the resurrection or the making alive, the quickening of everybody that came into Christ was not on the day they accepted him, but was on the day that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. So God always works in our lives from the reference point of Christ. So if you want to know where God did certain things, you must look at Jesus. Because the reference point of a Christian is Jesus. So when Jesus was made alive, every other person was also what? Made alive. So the work of God is referenced by Christ. Our actions, brothers and sisters, are only uh, actualizers or manifestations of the work of God. So God or Christ is the reference of God's work. Whatever God does, he will do it in Christ or through Christ. So if God raises you from the dead, he will do it through Christ. So Christ becomes the mirror of all who will follow him. Are you following me? Because God here was establishing a legal basis for the Christian experience. A legal basis. Don't forget that. Hold on to that. All right. So, so having wiped out, when? Because he says he wiped it out, when? When? So you must go and look now at the point in which God did that work through Christ. For God was in who? Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. So everything Jesus did was the work of God. Everything Jesus did was the, the mirroring of God's work in humanity. Are you understanding that? So when God was judging Christ, he was judging your sins. When, when, when God put him to death, he was putting you to death. 
When God raised him from the dead, he was raising you from the dead. Are you following? When God ascended him on high to sit at the throne of majesty, he also seated you on high. So you don't sit when you become a Christian. You are not raised when you become a Christian. Your sins are not forgiven when you become a Christian. That's why it, it, is, it, is, it is spiritually or legally wrong to, to lead somebody into Christ and say to him, forgive all my sins. It is an illegal terminology. That, that's the reason why the Bible says for any man to come into Christ, he must only do one thing, confess Christ's lordship. Confess Christ's lordship. Every man that confesses the Lord Jesus Christ is saved. Not his sins. It is not required that a man should confess his sins in order for him to become a Christian. Christianity is not the confession of sins. It is the confession of the Lordship of Christ. So until a man confesses Christ's Lordship, he's not a Christian. You may pray with him. Lord Jesus, I come to you as a sinner. Forgive all my sins. I'm a sinner. Whatever. You, nothing is happening spiritually until that person says, I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. Then the spiritual experience of Christianity is imputed on him. Why? Because the, the forgiveness of sins does not take place when you confess it. That's why when Peter was preaching, he said that, that you may receive forgiveness of sins. Forgi you may receive forgiveness of sins. You are not forgiven when you ask for forgiveness. So you, you look at Jesus as the reference point of your life. You follow it? Amen. You follow it? Alright. So he says, having wiped out, when did he wipe out? When did he wipe out? When did the wiping out of the, of the judgment or the condemnation of the law take place Jesus said this he says I have not come to destroy the law and the prophets but I have come to fulfill now if Christ fulfills the law and fulfills the prophets as far as me and you are concerned the law becomes obsolete the law and the, and the prophets becomes irrelevant because in Christ, the law and the prophet is fulfilled and made obsolete. That's why if you read Hebrews, the Bible tells us that if, if, if that were not the case, God would not have found fault in the law, thereby creating another covenant. The institution of a new covenant, a new testament, presupposes that God had found fault in the Old Testament. So he made obsolete the Old Testament by the bringing in of a new testament. So you ask yourself, is there a new testament? Yes. That there is a new testament means that the Old Testament is made obsolete, irrelevant, 
unusable. So God cannot now use the Old Testament to judge mankind. He must use the new covenant. And the Bible says Jesus Christ is the surety of a new and better covenant. So God deals with mankind now from Jesus' point of view, from Jesus as a reference point, because Jesus is the institutionalization of the new covenant. These are the legal infrastructures that we overlook. And here's the thing. When, when you start acting in accordance to God's dealings with humanity or to God's working on humanity from Christ's perspective, life takes on a new form. So, when was it wiped out? Your trespasses, when was it wiped When you were still enemies. So, all this about forgiveness of sins, raising from the dead, be seated with Christ. It has no present relevance in the sense that you, you do not enforce or legally act on that stance on the basis of who you are now. Because whatever God did, he did it before you even came to Christ. So you were still enemies when God rectified certain things in the spirit. When God aligned certain things in the spirit. You were still enemies of God. So now that you are a friend of God, you're, you have no legal standpoint on that premise to do any other thing. See, that is why there are Christians who can use and bind and talk to the devil and nothing happens. And they wonder why. It's because they are trying to enforce their authority from their present Christian experience. So I am a Christian, Satan must listen to me. No, but God who is rich in mercy. When we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive in Christ. That is the legal framework upon which every Christian who stands on that promise can conquer. Because then you would realize that you do not, you, 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 you are not authoritative or your authority is not respected on the basis of you being a Christian, but on the basis of God's mercy and work in Christ Jesus. That, that, that's what it means to stand or to pray in the name of Jesus. You understand that? You are unequivocally presenting an authority that is greater than you. And on account of your recognition of the greatness of that authority, you, 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 you put it in preeminence before you. So you say in the name of Jesus, everything in the spirit dimension does not see you anymore. It sees Christ. But many people don't know how to stand in the name of Jesus because we do not understand the legal framework of this institution. So, you know, many things, I'm a Christian. Devils must listen to me. 
But you are missing a reality that God enforced before you even became a Christian. That God made you alive in Christ when you were still in your trespasses. When you were still an enemy of God. God, in the framework of eternity, said, this is my son. And he sits with him. Oh, oh, that, that is the reality that brings the power to your Christian experience. So you say, no, I'm a Christian. No, now, now the, the, your, your, your reality as a Christian, when did it begin? So now you are, you are boasting in your works, I'm a Christian. It says that no man should boast in his work, but by grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. To say Satan must listen to you because you're a Christian is to say because you confess Christ. Mm. Now things must respond. So the law of the spirit can't work. It's like the day when John said to Jesus, hey, there's somebody here who's not with us, but he's casting out and using your name to get certain results. And we stopped him. Jesus, don't stop him. Why did it, why did it work for that man? So you, you must then understand God's work from Jesus' perspective. So the reality of your Christian activity is always from the standpoint of what Jesus did. So you were not raised up from the dead because you accepted Christ. You were raised up from the dead because God raised up Jesus. You understand that? Your sins... Your sins were not forgiven because you accepted Jesus. Your sins were forgiven because God judged Jesus Christ. Amen. You understand? Amen. You understand that? Amen. You follow? So we can continue. All right. So it's not about you. You understand that? Because once it becomes about you, then something, something of works begins to express itself. And works has no legal basis in God. You understand that? Works has no legal basis in God. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. So you want... To possess your possessions, you must understand what I'm trying to communicate to you. Because when you stand in the in the courts of justice, you can't say I am a Christian. You can't say I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? You see, you, 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 why are you a Christian? <clears throat> In the court of justice, that is what matters. You are not a Christian because you accepted Christ. <laughs> oh, dear Jesus. You understand that? You are not a Christian because you accepted Christ.
Yeah. So why then are you a Christian? Yeah. I'm not a Christian because I accepted Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Many of us think so, right? Many of us think, yeah, now I'm a Christian because That's why you are so beaten. That's why you are so terrorized. That's why you are so abused by spirits. That, 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 that is the reason why many, many Christians are abused by spirits. Because they feel, ah, ah, I'm a Christian because I accepted Jesus. Okay, let me show you something. Eh? Can I? Amen. Can I? Amen. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ephesians. No, no, let, 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 okay, Ephesians, let three go there. The rest of you stay there in Colossians. Ephesians, chapter number two. Chris, are you there? Ephesians chapter number two. Yeah, Ephesians chapter number two. Yes. You there? Amen. Oh, lights are back. Ephesians chapter 2, right? Chris, read read verse number 8. Verse number 8. Yeah. For by grace you save through faith. Read read that again, please. For? For by grace are you saved through faith. Mm. And that not of yourselves. Wait, that not of your self. So Vincent, not of yourself. Not that you said, oh Jesus. <laughs> right? Read it again. Read it again. From the beginning. Yeah. For by grace are you saved through faith. Mm. And that not of yourselves. That not of yourself. So there is nothing in reality that you did that warrants your Christianity. Because the moment you say, I I am a Christian because what you are attributing is self-righteousness. That means you are are proclaiming yourself righteous on the basis of what you did. Yet the Bible says, not of yourselves. Abraham was not accounted righteousness because he did anything. Yep, read. It is the gift. Ah, it is the gift of. He said, "Salvation is what." So there is no amount of goodness or righteousness or cleanness or holiness or purity that you may have had that would give you the right to become saved. 
except it was a gift of God. So what, what that does, thank you, is that it neutralizes every man's works. It's neutralized. It is a gift of God. So why are you a Christian? <laughs> because you believed. <laughs> See why many Christians will, will leave with demons afflicting their lives is because of this little nuance that's not understood. I just told you, you were not made alive when you became a Christian. You were made alive when God made Christ alive. Okay, chapter 2, read chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. Read chapter 2, verse 1. And you has he quickened. Was the message nice? Yeah. Okay, that is fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah? Verse 1. Yeah. And you has he quickened. The word is made alive. Yeah. Who are dead in trespasses. Now, now, you has he quickened who are dead in trespasses. Has? In, in sins. Yeah, yeah. Where in time past. Yeah. You walk according. No, no, read verse 1 again. Read verse 1 again. And you. Now follow. Quickened. You has he made alive. made alive. You has he made alive. Alive, yeah. Who are dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, okay. You who he has made alive, who are dead in trespasses and sins. Now you read that, you think, oh, he has made me alive because I was dead in trespasses and sins. sins. But the context will tell you that he is referring to something greater than what we are actually talking about yes yeah continue where in in time past where in time past you walk according to the course of, of this world yeah according to the spirit according to the prince of the power yeah of the air, yes the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience yeah among whom also we all had our conversation our conduct manner of life yes in times past ah in the last of our flesh mm, in times past in the last of our see the context right yeah fulfilling the desires of the, of the flesh yes and of the mind yeah and were by nature children of wrath children of wrath yes even as others yeah but god but god, but god so, so notice what the Holy Spirit through Paul here is doing. He's laying to us the, our condition in the past. Yeah. Right? He's telling us our state of being in the past. Yeah. Right? And then he, he flips the script and he said, But God, who is rich in mercy, yes, where his great love, yeah, where would he loved us, even, even when we were dead in sin. Whoa! So, even in that state, God greatly loved us. So, our condition did not change God's view of us. He loved us when we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins. Continue. 
has made us alive. Where did he make you alive? Has made us alive. Yeah. Together with Christ. Oh, stop there. Stop there. Has made you. What is the basis of that action? His love and mercy for us. He says, has made us alive together with Christ. Did he not just say, even when we were dead in our trespasses? So in your death, he made you alive. Now, these, this, is, this is reality from God's perspective. What is Christianity? Okay. What is the foundation of Christianity? Huh? Faith. Yeah, the foundation of that faith. Where does it come from? Yeah? Yeah, Christ, obviously. But where exactly? Yeah? Yeah? The foundation of our faith. Where is where does the foundation of our faith lie? The Bible says, "If Christ be not raised, then our faith is in vain, and our preaching is vanity." So the foundation—that is why the Bible says, "If you confess that God raised him from the dead, not raised him, raised him, not that he died, not that he died, that God raised him from the so so the faith of Christianity is in the resurrection of Christ. Follow me, follow me." The faith, the foundation of Christianity is in the resurrection, not in the death of Christ. Because in the death of Christ, there is no foundation for Christianity. Okay. Let me give you the sequence of God's work. Right? The cross... Brothers and sisters, was oh, okay, okay, okay. So the Bible, the what we are taught in Christianity is that Christ died for our sins. Again, Christ died. For our sins, but we we had just proven that sin is not way is not a product of spirit but of flesh. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Amen. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His Son that He might condemn sin in the flesh. Amen. So Christ dying. Could not have been for sins. Because his death is greater than just the dying of sins. Because to die means that his spirit and his body separated. Now, his spirit did not need to separate from his body in order for God to say, yes, the sins of the whole world are forgiven. No. That is why the Bible tells us that he was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, where? On his body. 
So legally, when we talk about Jesus paying the penalty for the sins of the world, we are talking about the excruciation that took place in his body. That's why the Bible says he has opened up a new way. That is his veil, which is his flesh. His flesh is what has opened up the way to the holies of holies. <laughs> Not his spirit. You read Hebrews chapter 10, you'll find that out. So, if, if what took place in his flesh, that's why Jesus needed to be judged. Where? In his body, which is his flesh, and in his spirit and in his soul. Three places. The first place, it took, the first uh, 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 judgment took place in his soul, in Gethsemane. The second, it took place when the Romans scourged him, and that was for our sins. The third was on the cross. That was not for sin. The cross was not the place of defeat. The cross, the Bible says, was a spectacle. The cross was a parade. For this cause, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed with the devil. Did he destroy the devil in his living or in his death? <laughs> Say help us, Pastor. <laughs> so why then are you a Christian? You are a Christian because Christ was raised from the dead. It's different from saying you are a Christian because you confessed Jesus Christ. You have missed it. You have lost. Because you are putting preeminence over what you did than what Christ actually did. The legality of authority. No, I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in, like I say, what you're saying has truth. But it's not the real truth. We are dealing with the underlying factors of what you are. It's not that you said... Uh, uh, is what Jesus because God raised him from in that you were dead in your own trespasses God raised you together with him that's why you are Christian because go, when God raised Jesus he raised you up so Christianity is a function of the working of God not a function of your confession so the vitality of your Christian experience does not lie in the fact that you, you accepted Christ. No, but in what God did. The Bible says in the effectual working of God. Not of man, of God. Now, <laughs> 
Let's read it, let's read it, let's read it. Play it, please. <laughs> so you get it now? Huh? You get it? That means it is a gift of God. Now you understand. Now you understand why demons don't listen to you. Because you're, you're, you are dependent on your confession for the reality of your Christian life and not on what God did. So our witness is derived from that. That's why people, people, there are Christians who don't believe that a Christian can... You see, that kind of thinking is what has robbed many of us in Christianity. Because when it comes time to talking with the devil, we become afraid. Why? Because we look at ourselves, our sins, our failures, our weaknesses. So no, I don't have the power to talk. Why? Because you, you feel that all those things are happening on the basis of your own works. Yeah. Colossians 2. Buried with him, verse 12, in baptism. Who, you, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the... Look at me, brothers and sisters. Now, now you realize something, that there has been a fault line in how we have been conducting ourselves in God's kingdom. Legality. You see, God is a judge. God. The Bible calls him the judge of the whole earth. God is a judge. And every judge makes a verdict on the basis of legal evidence that has been presented to him. Because he is a judge. Follow me, okay? He is a judge. He is a judge. He is a judge. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flat flesh he has made alive together with him so so you're 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 making alive is not independent from jesus you get that so you you can't be made alive in a time where jesus was not made alive true christian perspective yep Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Can you see what was happening now? Let me show you what was happening. Read verse 11. He says, In him you were also circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands, by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You see that? Let me show you what was happening. When he was being scourged, 49 stripes, put a crown of thorns, and his body was bleeding. 
what Jesus was doing is that legally he was absorbing the sin of the whole world the entire sin of the whole world he was absorbing into his body into his flesh legally when he was going on the cross he was going on the cross as a lamb remember the institution of the priesthood how that for God to atone for the sins of the people they must always bring a sheep before the priest and the priest would lay the hand of the one who brought the sheep on the sheep right transferring the sins into the sheep but also imputing the cleanliness the purity the righteousness of the sheep or the lamb on the man and after that the priest would cut off the sheep's head and put the blood into the bowl to offer it up and then he would chop it up and chop it up and chop it up and put it on the bronze altar and offer it as a burnt offering so jesus was that exact lamb only this time it was happening literally so the cross Every every week, right? Every week, but uh, you know uh, these waste guys, right? Waste collectors. They come in every section, right? And they collect waste. They collect waste in section after section, right? But all we see is the truck that they drive, right? Does the waste they collect from your house end up in that truck? There is the final destination where all the field, all the junk of all houses land up, right? In while in, in one big dumpster, right? Where all this dirt and the waste gets there. You you agree, right? So but we see one truck goes to this street, this street, this street, this street. It collects it then straight to the dumpster so the sin I mean not the sins the waste of all these sections will end up in one place there was waste in the universe and that waste was sin that filth was sin and there was no way where that waste could go it couldn't go to hell it couldn't go to heaven Dead must go somewhere. Filth must go somewhere. Sin must go somewhere. Are you following me? So, but it needed to be collected. <laughs> you understand? Just like filth, it needed to be collected. So, the sin that the filth that was in the universe was collected in Jesus' body. Jesus needed to take it somewhere. Are you following me? So he absorbs all the fields. Then he becomes sin. He becomes the embodiment of sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That was legal. So he became sin. That we might become 
the righteousness of God. So now, all the sin of mankind was transferred. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world was transferred on one man. But he needed to dispose of that sin. Mm. So what Jesus did, what the rulers of the darkness of this world and Satan himself, the Bible says, had they known what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But what he did was concealed wisdom. That's what we are doing now. We are unfolding that wisdom to you. So he takes the sin upon his flesh, not his spirit. Not his spirit. Nothing ever happened to the spirit of Jesus. Are you listening to me? Nothing ever happened to the spirit of Jesus. It was his flesh. Coming in the likeness of sinful flesh. Judging sin in the flesh. Mm. Sin was that thing that hindered man from exercising his natural original authority. He needed to deal with sin because except he dealt with sin, he, he could not deal with the devil. You follow? He could not deal with the devil until he, did, he dealt with sin first. So he deals with sin, absorbs it into his body and he's taking it somewhere. Bible says when he hanged on the cross he was nailing something on the cross it was not his body that was being nailed it was the body of the sins of the flesh <laughs> so what was being nailed on the cross was not his spirit no it was the body of the sins of the flesh so when they were nailing him God was judging sin once and for all. Sin had now found the location, the dumpster, where it belonged. And that was on the cross. Immediately when God rectified, when God accepted that sacrifice, something happened. Something happened. Oh, in him you also circumcised with the circumcision made without hand by putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism you also raised with him through the through faith in the working of God and who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespass in the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made a life together with him having forgiven all your trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross disarmed notice notice the sequence of Christ's work he's dealing first with your sins dealing first with the handwriting that is against you and then he goes to the person non grata he goes and disarm another group says having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in the cross triumphing over them in the cross jesus did not win in hell he won on the cross he won before he died when he was being nailed there he was he was 
you are stripping men of the judgment of sin. You are stripping men and condemning and destroying the handwriting written against us. That was the law of Moses. And you are disarming the power, the authority that Satan now had over a man. And then he triumphed, made a public spectacle of them in the cross. That's why when he went into hell, he did not need to fight anymore because they were already disarmed. The Bible says he destroyed he that had the power of death. He destroyed him on the cross. Now, this is the legal framework of how you possess your possessions. So you don't fight to win. You fight to enforce. One day, Romesh Shambak, great evangelist of God, was called to a house. There was somebody sick in that house. They got there and they started casting that devil out. They said all, they did all manner of casting, all manner of binding. And then Roshambak said, the Holy Spirit whispered to him and said, you are fighting aimlessly. And these demons know. That's why they do not respect your authority. And he said he was offended. And then he asked the Holy Spirit, but then I did everything. I used the name of Jesus. And, and the Holy Spirit said, yes, you use the name of Jesus, but you do not remember what it represents. Then the Holy Spirit said to him, instead of casting it out, remind it of what happened to me 2,000 years ago. He said he took the sick person he put him on the chair, he sat down, and he said, Now you devils that have been working to afflict this woman, I want to preach to you about what happened to you and your boss 2,000 years ago. Jesus disarmed you, and as he said that, he said, The demon said, I will come out. They left. The woman was instantly healed. What happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? He took those demons to court. Satan now has no legal basis on whatever affliction he throws at you. The nature of Satan, the Bible calls Satan, the name Satan is Satanos in the Greek. And another name for him is devil, which is Diablo. All those two names have... Okay, maybe I should ask a question. You know what Satan means? What the word Satan means? Do you know? Or what the, what the, what the word devil means? Do you know? Huh? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what the word Satan means? What the word Diablo means or the word devil means? I'm sure you think the word means one who does evil, right? Right? Both those two names are legal terminologies. The word Satan means 
the adversary or the prosecutor. The word Diablo means a false accuser, a slanderer, a blasphemer. Now, isn't it strange that both names, and here's the question, who gave him the name Satan and who gave him the name the devil? Yeah? Where did, where did Satan get his name from? Where did the devil get his names? Two is one person, right? Just two different names. Where did, where did he get those names from? Did he make them up? Yeah? So who gave him the names? God. 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 Did God give Satan his name? Did God give the devil that name? Yes? Yes, you all agree? Yeah? Okay. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Somebody open also Joshua chapter number no Zechariah chapter number oh, just a bit got some time Zechariah chapter number three all right <laughs> Zechariah three revelations 12. Let's start in Revelations 12. Jesus, when he was alive, said, I saw Satan. Jesus. He said, I saw Satan. Then Jesus also said, I give you power over all the power of the devil. Jesus. Jesus. Who? Jesus. Jesus. He recognized him as Satan. He recognized him as the devil. All those are legal terms. All those are legal terms. You have your father, the devil. Jesus, the devil. Let's... Chapter 12, verse 9, please. You there? Revelations. Let's read, please. Saw the great... Saw the great... Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Calls the devil. Wait. Who call? Who calls him the devil? Here's a question I must ask. Who first called Satan the devil, or who first called him Satan and the devil? Who? God. That first. The first mention of that name or those names came from God. So it was God who called that serpent Satan and the devil. Zechariah chapter 3. Mm, mm, mm. 
Okay, read verse 1, please. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to... <laughs> to... To accuse him, to oppose him, to resist him. To accuse him, to oppose him, to resist him. To prosecute him. Read verse 2. And the Lord, who, who said it? Who said it? Who said it? Who said it? Okay, what did he say? Yeah? Oh, the Lord rebuked you. Satan. Oh, Satan. The Lord rebuked. Who said it? The Lord. Ha! So Satan calls this dragon, this serpent, Satan. God calls him Satan. He calls him the devil. He calls him Diablo. He calls him Satanos. Those two names reveal his nature. His nature is to oppose. His character is to accuse. And he is to resist. All those are legal terminologies. All those are legal terminologies. But God called him Satan. All we know is that he rebelled. He was Lucifer, he rebelled. And then he became Satan. Who called him Satan? Because there was nothing to accuse. Look at me, look at me, please. There was nothing to accuse. When he fell, there was, there was he did not accuse. There was nothing to accuse. Correct? Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Now, let me help you. Do you know that Satan's rebellion against God was an opposition to God's He was opposing God's authority. His, his rebellion was in opposition. That's why God called him Satan. Because he is the opposer. So he is Satan because he opposes. He opposes. So the first person he opposed was God. Lucifer opposed God. And who is one that opposes? Satan. He was not the devil after he became Satan. Do you understand that? I mean, I mean, after he became, he was not called the, he was called Satan before he was called the devil. He is the devil when it comes to mankind. He is Satan in the courts of heaven. Because the word devil means one who falsely accuses, a slanderer. Do you understand that? The, the, the word Satan means one who opposes, resists, and accuses. So he is a prosecutor. Who hired him? Who made him a prosecutor? God Almighty. 
God So his primary assignment is to oppose the work of God. Is to resist the plans and purposes of God. And accuse the people of God. Accuse them of what? So you see, Satan may have legal stance or legal standpoints or legal references against us. The same person that Jesus said, neither his mother nor father nor him sin, is the same person that Jesus went to afterward and told him, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. He told the devil, he told the disciples, it was not his sin, but he told the man, you are sick because of your sin. Now go and sin no more. So you ask yourself, who did he lie to? So sin was the legal ground that Satan had to afflict mankind so sickness sickness is 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 a legal action satan takes against a human being and and god allows him god allowed he allowed job did he not he said he is in your hands he is in your power why because satan brought forth a what a legal or legal evidence to warrant Job's affliction. So affliction, affliction, what? Affliction is not sickness. I listen to me? Sickness may result as affliction. David said this, I was afflicted before I went astray, but now I have kept your word. So he leads affliction to what? To the straying from the word. So true affliction, affliction is that which Satan is given the legal right to enact against a human being. So when a person is sick, he is being accused. So sickness is an accusation. I follow, look at me, look at me. Sickness is an accusation of Satan against the human being. You follow me? It's an accusation. Poverty is an accusation. He has sinned, that's why he must be poor. He has sinned, that's why he must be sick. It's an accusation. But because he is the devil, that accusation is faulty. Because he is Satan and the devil. That means he is the accuser. He is an opposer. He is, he is one who falsely accuses. He is a slanderer. So when a man is sick, Satan is slandering against God. He is falsely accusing him and blaspheming against God. When a man is poor, Satan is both accusing and slandering against God. Is a matter that can only be won in the court of justice. That is why before Jesus can confront the devil, Jesus must face meet the devil and, and be brought under his examination. Notice, it is Satan who examines Jesus, not God. To be tempted by the devil, 
examination is taking place on account of God but the one the examiner is Satan he must examine Jesus in all point in spirit in soul and in body he examines him and when Jesus wins Jesus has now the legal right to cast out every devil that is responsible for the oppression of men either in sickness in poverty and in 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 the circumstances that are diabolically engineered so every demonic activity in a man's life is an accusation from satan and also a slander from satan slandering who slandering god that's why he cast out demons and they were healed so the word that was responsible that sickness was was a revelation of a presence of a devil an accuser You see, how Job attacked, I mean, how Satan attacked Job reveals to us the areas in which Satan works. He worked in his body. He worked in his family. He worked in his wealth. He worked in his property. So Satan could only attack. Imagine he expensed all that he could in all these three areas. He used the Sabians. He used the fire from heaven. He used the, the wind of, of from from the earth to to accuse and also to slander God and God gave him all the permission why he is Satan he exists to oppose he exists to resist he exists to accuse that is his primary purpose why God left him it is so that he could oppose accuse and resist the work of God in our lives. So when Jesus disarmed all principalities and powers, Satan had no legal basis in him all. Because Jesus dealt with the sin of mankind. He dealt with the forgiveness issue and then he dealt with the authority of Satan so whatever Satan is doing now in the lives of men is illegal there is no legal basis that's what the Bible says the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down cast down there's no legal basis why i should be poor no legal basis why i should be sick no legal basis why i should suffer anything demonically none whatsoever so what must i do in order to possess my possession health is my possession wealth is my possession success prosperity spiritual wisdom understanding knowledge all these things are my possession what must i do i must now now provide evidence before god that what is happening to me is illegal and it should not happen and the judge of this world should now begin to judge in my thing and I have two things, the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Isaiah 54. 
So I, if you don't know how to speak, yeah. Satan will beat you, yeah. brothers and sisters. Yeah. He will give you a KO yeah. in the boxing ring of life. The Bible says that Jesus, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death, who throughout their lifetime was subject to bondage and he was destroyed. So any person suffering an affliction, a destruction from Satan, is suffering it illegally. That at any point when you have come to understand and provided the right evidence before God, you can be free from whatever it is because it is happening to you illegally. What if I sinned? No, he still doesn't have any legal standpoint because God dealt with the sin of mankind. That means the sin of man has no has no business. It has no Satan has no business interfering with the sins of your life. This is a business between you and God, not between you and Satan anymore. Because God dealt with the issue. So if a man sins, he's, that's why he says, if a man falls, he falls unto his Lord. If he rises, he rises against unto his Lord. And God is able to make him stand. So you know what Satan does, man? You know what he does? He introduces a technology that will keep him exercising his power over man illegally. You know what he does? He starts corrupting the ability of man to talk. He knows if you can't talk the word, the word of their testimony, not just the blood of the Lamb, but the word of their testimony. The word of where do you give testimony before a court of justice? He knows if you can't talk before the court, he, he, he will continue to find that. of us have devils wreaking havoc in our lives because we do not understand the legal grounds for our victory and how to enforce the power and the authority of heaven to let us out. So you keep casting devils and devils don't come up. You keep binding spirits and spirits don't come up. Why? He whips us by keeping us in ignorance. At any point, he says, he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall The Bible doesn't say set you free. The Bible says make you free. There's a difference between setting free. Setting free denotes that you are bound. And shackles must be removed from you. Jesus uses the word make. 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 He says the truth shall make you true. Oh God Almighty. Truth cannot set free because Jesus already set all mankind free. 
Truth makes free. You understand? It enlightens you. It enlightens you of your liberty. It is truth that opens the eyes of a man who's been sitting in a prison that it, whose doors have been opened to show him that the prison doors are open. Come out. That's truth. He makes you free. So his primary device of, this, of, 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 of continuing his oppression is deceit, is deception. As long as he keeps you deceived, you'll continue to plunder him. He opposes God's work, God's word, God's plans and counsel for him. That is the distinction, the difference that what I'm teaching you makes. That's why one can cast out a devil, a deaf and dumb devil, and the other cast out the same devil, he doesn't listen. Because devils don't hear you on the basis of who you are. Do you know why Christians, why Christians will never in their entire lives have to deal with fallen angels? Do you know that? Do you know why? It is because fallen angels understand the flow of authority. A Christian, Chris, is not attacked by fallen fallen. Fallen angels don't. They, they will never. When Jesus told those men who came to throw stones at the woman who had sinned and was writing down, he says, he who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. Who left last? Who left last? Who left, the, who left last? Who left last? The old or the young? The youngest. The Bible says they left from the old to the... Why did the young take time to leave? Why didn't it take time for those old folks to leave? The Bible says when Jesus said that the old left, the old ones first. From the greatest to the least. Is the same in the spirit. Big demons, great demons understand authority. That's why Satan, will, if if he ever comes to you, if he ever comes to you, Satan, if he ever comes to you, it is not to attack you. It will always be to convince you to follow him. He can't because he knows. He's only the small demon when you when you go down the ranks. Where you find those that attack people directly. Because of the understanding of authority that exists in the spirit. That is why Gabriel could not do anything when he was withstood by the princes of pleasure. He could not until Michael, a greater than him, came to assist him. He could not break through. Imagine he was an archangel. He couldn't break through. Is the understanding of authority 
says, I was left there with the princess of Persia until Michael, one of your princes, came to help. Help! Imagine, even angels need help. <laughs> so he uses deception to keep our mouth sealed. Because the blood is speaking, but until the word of your testimony is heard, God cannot suppose that you know what is legally yours. Isaiah 54. achievement in the modern world in the modern society is to convince man that he does not exist you know in the last 30 years there are more people who does not believe in the existence of Satan than in any other time in history yes yes if they don't believe he exists he can continue wreaking his havoc without anybody confronting him. That's why, more than anything else, he attacks churches. Because it is in churches where the revelation of Satan is needed. So what he does to churches, to, dis to destroy them, what he does is that he over, over accentuates his reality to the church until they forget the greatness of God. So Satan becomes now the focus of ministries. And when when he know you know he knows when he when he over informs himself to churches, they become more Satan conscious than God conscious. Because he knows human beings have the tendency to go to either extremes. Very hard time staying in the middle there. Yeah, Jesus said, I will build my church in the gate of hell. And notice, he didn't say the gate of parliament <laughs> or the gate of government. Just the direct enemy of the church is the gate of Satan, the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against The enemy of the church are the gates of hell. What are the gates of hell? The gates of hell are authorities that are hatched from hell, from Satan. That they shall not prevail. Notice, they shall not not they shall not attack. They will attack but not prevail. That means the church today, Sister Jessica, is at war with Satan. Not the war to win, but the war to enforce and put Satan where he belongs, under the feet of Jesus. 
The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies footstool. It is the war to subject Satan under our feet. This is a legal matter. I want to show you some things, two things today. If you can learn this, if you can learn this, if you can, you know, people are ashamed. People are ashamed. That's one of the reasons why people don't cast out devils, is because they are ashamed. If you have a devil, there's, is, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Do you understand? Because that is the thing that is that is causing the misalignment in your life. Shame is irrelevant. Boldness is what's relevant. Remember my uh, who was who was it? Martha. Who, who was it? Was it Martha that Jesus cast out seven spirits out of? Was it Martha? Yes, Martha. Jesus cast out seven spirits out of that woman. You, 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 you look at, you study that woman. She's the first person to see Jesus after his resurrection. The first. The first, one of the first who received the Holy Ghost after he fell. Imagine if those spirits were not cast out from her. assembles against you shall fall for your sin. Then listen to what God says. Behold, I created the blacksmith who blows the coal in the fire, who brings forth instruments of affliction. I created that blacksmith. Then he says, I have created the destroyer to destroy. I. I. Why is God telling us this? What is his objective in telling us this? Is, is it so that we can attribute the afflictions of our lives to them? No. There's a reason. You study the context. The context, the context is saying he wants to remove them far from oppression. He wants to evacuate all their enemies. Then he says to them, remember, I created all these. 
In other words, these are my tools. So there is nothing for you to fear. Because he says in the next verse, no weapon. No weapon. No. No. Now who makes the weapons? The blacksmith that God has created. No weapon. No weapon. Forged. Formed. Read there. Against. Against. Shall. Look at me. Who says this? There's no weapon formed against us. No weapon. But why is it possible? Why? Why are the weapons that Satan throws in our lives seems to be possible? Satan feels like throwing the weapon of depression. When it hits you, it succeeds. When he feels like throwing a weapon of failure, the weapon of lack and poverty and sickness and disease, they prosper. Yet God said in prophecy, no weapon. No weapon is no weapon. You can't, no weapon, whether they are spiritually formed, physically formed, it doesn't matter how, no weapon formed against you shall it is not a promise it, it is it is the sovereign declaration of almighty god it's not a promise it's the same lord jesus i am with you till the end of the age that's not a promise i'll show you why it's possible because the answer is right in there read please no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Yeah. And every and every and every. Oh, you see, you must understand poetic language and prophetic language. That he says no weapon shall prosper, and immediately after that refers to the tap should allude to us that the greatest form of weapons and every tongue yeah wait and every and every and every and every and every yeah, that Woo! Wait, that rises against you Not just anyway Read please In judgment, In judgment. That means because Every tongue that has ever spoken Against you on an altar Every spirit that has ever spoken Against you in the court of justice He says every tongue that rises Against you in judgment This is bigger So the prospering of those weapons depends on one thing, whether or not 
you condemn the tongue mm. spoke against you. Yeah, continue. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall you shall you shall so they shall not prosper, you shall condemn. No weapon shall prosper, you shall condemn, you shall, you shall, you you decide what prospers in your life. Says you shall condemn. How will you condemn it? By your actions? No. From the very same platform that those tongues rise against you. That means from your tongue you shall condemn. Says you shall condemn. For this, read this. For this is the heritage, the inheritance of the Lord's servants. Affliction is a legislation that you must override. Because every tongue, whether it is the tongue of man or tongue of spirits, every tongue, every tongue that rises against you in judge in judgment, that means they rise to judge you. So, so when one is sick, it is judgment. They may not necessarily be caused by God by a tongue that is spoken. Judge. You see, where Satan has brought us, brothers and sisters, to the point of weakness, he has brought us in our lives to the point of weakness. To the point of weakness. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. When you are struggling financially, mom, when you are struggling financially, it is rare that you pray more than you worry. Yeah, it is rare. That you pray more than you sympathize. Yeah. Why? Because he knows he, if he can deceive you to the platform of weakness, where you are blinded from what is actually going on, he will succeed in the sending of his weapon. Problems don't start when you see them. They only appear. They begin on altars of judgment. They begin on tongues that rise against you. That's where issues of life start. So for you to rectify or for you to distinguish the sting, the strength of that weapon, you must begin to do the very same thing that brought that thing into your life. You must begin to rise in condemnation. These are matters of judgment matters of condemnation. He says you shall condemn. You, that means God will listen to you. When you say ah, ah! Yeah. God will say yes. That's what must happen. And Jesus said I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you buy whatever you buy 
whatever you want. Disallow, prohibit, resist on earth what be resisted in. Whatever you permit, notice whatever you permit on earth, whatever you permit on earth. That means, that means, even though the tongues or the effect, the afflictions may rise, just if you permit them, heaven will accept it. Because you are the authoritative figure here. This, brothers and sisters, is what constitutes the flow of life. What you allow and what you permit. If you permit lack, poverty, affliction, sickness, disease, heaven will permit it. And you see, there is no use in you saying, oh God help, there's no use. The Bible says, he says, do not say who shall bring Christ up from heaven. <laughs> for the word, for the word is near thee, even in thy mouth. The word of faith. Which we That's how life is worn. how life is warm or lost and the spirit must teach you you see spirits don't respond to actions spirit responds to words there's the law of spirits they respond to words good or bad spirits will respond words are what infuses spirits with energy with power with vigor Bless ye the Lord, you his angels, and you who do his word, who hearken to the voice of his word. So the perpetuation of a devil in your life is given right of admission by what you say or don't say. Yet he said you shall condemn. Why are you not condemning the works of the devil in your life? Why are you watching and seeing the devil abuse you? The devil wreak havoc in your life illegally. It's because you are not condemning. It's because you are not condemning. Praying to God is useless in these instances except it is to receive divine wisdom and strategy but as far as he is concerned you are responsible for what is admitted and what is not permitted as you shall condemn the weapons in your life that has breached through are the weapons in your life that you did not condemn and are not this, brothers and sisters, is the reality of life. That for a man to win, a man must rise on the platform of the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. His testimony. 
He's testified. There is no spirit more powerful enough that can resist the words of a man or a woman who has understood his legal ground. No legislation can be hindered and be resisted. Says, come state forth your case that you may be appointed. Why must this poverty be removed from your life? Why must this disease, this sickness be removed from your life? Why must this perpetuating circumstance be state forth your case? What is your case? Bring forth evidence. Let us reason together. Bring your evidence. Why there must be change? sentence them to 15 years in prison. Where are they? It is only after they are found out that judgment can be made. Find that devil in your life and condemn him. If you will not find increase, you may be, you will pray and God can help you. You will ask and God can help you. He must be found out. How did Jesus know that the cause of that ailment was a devil? But when Peter's mother-in-law, all he did was he raised her up. He did not give any sin. The Bible says he cast out the devil with his word. With his word. With a word.
find the devil and you condemn him. The Bible shows us how we find the Lord and locate his works, how he works. How he works. Bible says Satan used the, the Sabians to raid Job's properties. Was Jesus ever robbed? Yeah? Was he ever robbed? Was Jesus ever robbed? Yeah? Was never robbed. Was Jesus ever robbed? Was Jesus ever stolen from? Yeah? No, but he was. The Bible tells us that Jesus told John that Judas was stealing from the treasure. But Jesus knew and he let him. Only to find out later that that Judas was actually a devil. Notice, the one who read devil in Jesus' life and ministry was who? A devil. It had not choose you to help, but one of you was a devil. Judas stole from Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus. Judas saw Jesus. So every time you are betrayed, it is a devil in Doesn't matter whether that person is your friend, your mother, your father. If you are betrayed, it is a devil. If you are stolen from, it is a devil. Jesus knew who it was. If you are resisted from fulfilling God's destiny for your life, it is a devil. Jesus knew the devils in his life and he knew how to deal with them. May you know the devils in your life and how to deal with them. May you know and how to deal with them. Otherwise, nothing may ever change. 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 You see a spirit of death in your house and you watch it continue to do its work and you watch it. You look to the heavens and say, God, where are you? He says, I'm in your mouth. You watch mammon afflict you. Do you know poverty is a destruction from destiny? No poor man has ever fulfilled their destiny. You will not find any man who had power unless your destiny is to be and you watch that spirit. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, is anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to the poor, to the poor. 
who are afflicted by the devil. Condemn the work of Satan in your life. That is, that is how, brothers and sisters, you will possess your possessions until you condemn. You see, until, until a boldness, until you master courage within you to begin to raise your voice to the heavens and against the spirits that are Nothing may ever change. You will talk in tongues and still be broke. You will talk in tongues and still have diseases and sicknesses afflicting your body. You will talk in tongues and still have ever-ending, never-ending problems. It's a fight. When you find that spirit whether is of infirmity, whether of death, whether of memon, you speak to it, you see, you spill of death. Your reign ends now. So you must know how to talk to spirits. I've had spirits tell me, I will not leave this place. I will not leave! Medicine to one case in Devon. The woman in cancer. When I looked at her, I saw that devil. That devil looked at me straight in the eyes. And he tried to intimidate me. You know, sometimes you see me, you see my facial expression change when I address spirits. It is not, it doesn't have, I don't make myself do that. It happens automatically. I looked at that devil, I, I saw it, it saw me. I said, you leave this woman now. She had bone cancer. I said, you leave this woman. You know what the spirit says? I will not leave. I've been, I've been here too long to leave. <laughs> Uh, you, you can guess who had the last laugh. Because by the time I spoke to that spirit the third time, its demeanor had changed from being aggressive to <coughs> being like some scared little imp. That devil left the room and I said, Leave, you leave and you don't come back. Now, what will make another person who will speak to the same demon remain? Is it the demon? No, it's the person. Why? But you may say, oh, oh, but, but, but you use the name of Jesus. There are many times I cast out demons without saying the name of Jesus. Many, many times. If you can go back and watch the, the tape when I was ministering to that woman, I didn't even mention Jesus once, but the demon listened and left. I said, you leave. He left. A drunk man came to one of the meetings. Drunk, couldn't hear, deaf. I knew what demon it was. 
I cast out the demon. That man's drunkenness left. That man's deafness left. Why did the demon leave? And still, I do not say in the name of Jesus. When Jesus cast out demons, did he lose it? Did he say in, the, in my name? It's not the saying, listen, to, to pray in the name of Jesus is not to say in the name of Jesus I pray. Are you listening to me? Yes, because you can say in the name of Jesus and you are not in the name of Jesus. You understand? For instance, possible whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Does it mean when you brush your teeth, you say, hey, in the name of Jesus, I brush my teeth. Does it mean that? No. What he's talking about is to, to do what you are doing in the shoes, in the stand of Jesus, in the boots of Jesus, as though you were Jesus doing it. So that's why I can say out and you can say in the name of Jesus out and the demon not listen to you who said in the name of Jesus and listen to me who never said in the name of Jesus. It's a matter of stand, position. Position. Are you listening to me? So you you it doesn't have to be another person. It may be even in your own life. Where there's a devil wreaking havoc in your finances and you find out through the spirit of discernment that there's a devil. And you say, you devil, there has been wreaking havoc and manipulating my financial life. I command you now to leave. I bind your works and you where are you looking? Are you, are you talking to that devil? Where is it? Is it up? Is it down? Is it on the side? Where must you look? Your words are what locates those devils. Sometimes you complain about a pain. You know, I have a pain. I have a pain. I have a pain. It's a devil. You talk about that pain until it causes another pain because you're not addressing the issue. The issue is the devil. You study Jesus. People who were sick had devils. He cast out devils from them. So 90 to 100% of all sickness is inflicted by only upon those who did not have their sin and what dealt with the problem was what forgiveness of sin those were those were the two major responsibilities of all sickness sin and devils You want devils to listen to you? You must rise in violence in the spirit. It's not the violence of sticks and stones and bullets and things. The violence of 
poser se opposer à Jésus. Possess. How long will the devil mess up your life, abuse your life, and you watch? Why? Because you are afraid or you are ashamed. You are ignorant or you are deceived. The objective of depression, of stress, of anxiety, of all those things is to shut your mouth. That's all. You shut, shut your mouth. To shut your mouth is to, is to disable your mouth from stopping. It's a hygiene. something strange to them. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe, believe also in me. like a river flow over me now peace like a river flow For you said, 
destroy Satan under your flesh. It is the God of peace. The God of peace. The God of peace that deals with the reign and dominion of Satan in our lives. So peace is essential to dealing with the devil. We can't deal with an enemy agitated, anxious, afraid, ashamed, any confidence. If you will set your mind on the Lord in your times of affliction, set your gaze on Him, He will give you that peace. It is the peace that transcends all human understanding and gives you power over that which you do not understand. Peace. 
still and there was great calm. <laughs> Peace be still over every agitation in your life. Peace be still over every turbulent situation in your life. Peace be still over every sinking ship, every sinking boat in your life. Peace be still over the waters that has risen against. Like the men of God who curse the altar of Jehoshaphat, I curse the altar of Satan in your life right now. And I prophesy to those altars that you shall break in pieces, says the Lord. Man speak and the sacrifices upon those altars, I render them void in the name of Jesus. I silence the voice of the accuser over your life in the name of Jesus. I break the strong man I curse the voice of witches, the voice of wizards, the voice in your bloodline that has continually spoken as a prophet of Almighty God. I declare curses. I speak to every spirit of death. have been defeated. Christ has disarmed your power, your authority, your vigor. Oh death, where is your sting? For thou hast been destroyed. And the keys of death are in the hands of Christ Jesus. He who died and is alive forevermore. So I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And I renounce your works. I invoke the grace of Jesus Christ. How that he being rich became poor. That you through his poverty might become rich. I invoke that grace right now that eradicates the stench of poverty, that eradicates the affliction of lack. In the name of Jesus, I renounce your works. Just like Moses was authorized to confront the gods of Egypt, I confront the idols and gods 
in your life, in your bloodline. And I bring destruction under the authority of Almighty God. Be crushed in the name of Jesus Christ. Be disintegrated in the name of Jesus Christ. Every spirit, every devil, every satanic operation in your life that is under the sound of my voice at this moment. I condemn you before the court of justice on the platform and the authority of the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. I condemn you out. I shatter the foundations that have been erected against you. I say I shatter the foundations that have been erected against you. Every wall of Jericho that has withstood you. I said every wall of Jericho. They are making Golobarasaiglogronda. I said every wall of Jericho. Fall down flat. Fall down flat. Fall down flat. Fall down flat. I said fall down flat. Christ leads you into victory. Hallelujah. Christ leads you into victory. I said, Christ leads you. Use your mouth! Hallelujah! Use your mouth! Lord, you use your mouth! We are in battle! Use your mouth! We are in war!
that have erected themselves against us, trying to break forth foundations that have been against us for years, altars that have been speaking against our lives, our families, and destinies for years. We know what spirits we have been doing. And today the devil is found out. So you can play church if you want to. your possessions and disarm and dismember and destroy the strongest and plunder this is war this is war and in war we fight we do not draw back we fight we fight because there is one who has already fought and won the battle for us. We fight with joy in our hearts knowing that he is overcome. We fight because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We fight because whatsoever is part of God overcomes the world. So we condemn their weapons. We destroy their altars. We speak against their affliction and our statements. Because we know Jesus will wonder. So you learn to use your mouth. That's what your mouth is for. You don't keep quiet in battle. Your mouth is your weapon in battle. You voice yourself. You voice. God told them you must shout for the walls of Jericho to fall down. Unless they shouted, nothing fell. You must fight. You must fight. And forget all religious notions and church rituals. Go on to the spirit and take it by force. Claim what's yours. Possess your possessions. Some of your loved ones are dying. Some of you are afflicted in your minds and in your body. Some of your finances and your destiny are held because you are not fighting. You are watching the devil. Thinking a miracle will happen. Your miracle is in your mouth. We are not teaching for nothing. We are trying to train you 
in the art of spiritual warfare. And as long as you keep silent, your enemy will continue to work his work. Until one rises to enforce authority and the blood of the land. Fight. 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 Except you do. Demonic foundations will not bow. Satanic orchestrations will not bow. What is to stop Satan after he is done with you to go for your child and your children's children? What is to stop him after he has successfully succeeded over you? Some of you are not married today, not because you don't want to, but because you don't fight. Spirit are standing between you and your marriage because you don't fight. You don't fight. Violent, take it by force. Confirm your word. 
Thank you. 